0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to That Engineering Podcast, the podcast where we discuss developing topics in STEM fields. I'm Alex.
1: I'm Paula, And Travis couldn't make it with us today, but we have a special guest.
2: Hi, uh, my name is Zane. I'm a four-year STEM student at CHS, and I'm uh, in the Capstone course this year, and I want to study architectural engineering in college. So let's get started.
0: All right. Well, thank you for being uh, here today, Zane, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, So today's topic is what is the Internet of Things and how does it affect our daily lives? Well, simply (laughs) stated, the Internet of Things consists of any device with an on and off switch that is connected to the Internet. Think of a cell phone, a smart fridge, uh, and it can branch out to many devices, even smart speakers, too.
1: So um, I think the Internet of Things is a very broad subject. And for those of y'all that haven't really heard of the Internet of Things before, um, I have kind of like a simple definition if you will um, it means is a network of devices uh, anything you could think of that is basically connected to the internet
2: right yeah I think a lot of people get kind of confused when they hear internet of things like what does that actually mean and it kinda means what it sounds like like physical objects or use using your daily life that can be interconnected and send each other information and uh, work together on the internet
0: and for those who don't know, one of the first examples of the Internet of Things is from the early 1980s, and essentially was actually a Coca-Cola vending machine uh, located at Carnegie Mellon University. Um, and the machine had local programmers that would allow it to connect by the Internet to, refrigerated applica- to a refrigerated appliance and check to see if, it would, if the drink was available at that time and if it was cold before making the trip to that vending machine. So even... Around 30 to 40 years ago, they started having the Internet be used as a way to check on statuses of devices um, in other buildings
2: or even just down the hallway. Well, that's actually kind of interesting. I, th- I didn't really realize that it had that much of a history. I mean, a lot of people hear the Internet of Things and they think, well, that's kind of a science fiction type of deal. But it's really not. I mean, we see, especially today with things like Alexa and, and all the different things coming out like that. They're they're trying to interconnect everything you do, so and and the the possibilities for that are endless,
1: right? And I was just about to um, say the same thing. I honestly didn't know that the Internet of Things extended that far back. Um, It seems very futuristic, so I thought it was something you know particularly new, but um, that was very interesting. And I think that you're right. Nowadays and in the future, it'll just continue to grow and grow um, because it does seem to make things a little more efficient and, like, smarter, if you will.
2: Right, and we, we're obviously not 100% there yet. I mean, the um, the technology for this stuff isn't readily available to the general public um, in all situations. You know, like the um, smart – all the smart stuff is not exactly cheap, but it's still really cool. We're making advancements in all this stuff.
0: I mean, yeah, obviously the Smart Fridge, like Samsung Smart Fridge, we're able to essentially make grocery lists on the fridge and have them sent to your phone or even monitor the status of food inside your fridge. It is a pretty expensive fridge, but it's still a proof of concept and a way for consumers to get experience in the Internet of Things. But also the Internet of Things kind of like takes a toll on Wi-Fi networks as well because having that many IP addresses being registered on that same network will... Will create essentially a a data lag because of how many different channels of data is being processed by that router every second. So, like, do you think that in the future there'll be compensation almost for this data uh, consumption and flow?
2: Um, I I'm I'm not sure about that. I think we can work towards that.
0: Yeah, because with new routers and stuff, it's going to be weird because there's going to be so many new devices, not only MacBooks or laptops or phones or TVs or k- gaming consoles, coffee machines, and a bunch right. of other, other stuff.
2: And we're, we're right, other stuff. and we're, we're seeing all these, like, you know, if you look at large buildings companies and schools and lots, of, you know, we see it here at our school that there's um, a lot of, you know, internet lag, even though we have very, very good internet that there's just so many devices there's so many different things going on especially with people bringing their phones and their uh... everything you know is connected to the internet these days i mean technically even cars are connected to the internet right, things too with gps
1: uh, yeah and going on to kind of like adding more onto that another concern that a lot of people have is actually hacking since everything is connected just like to the internet it makes all these devices more vulnerable.
2: Yeah, I mean, that can be really important because then someone can know, like, for example, if your car is connected to your phone, is connected to everything, they can know, like, well, uh, this door is left unlocked and this car is, you know, so they uh, someone could know, like, that you're not at home and that your door is left unlocked or that it, that it's locked and that this this part of the building is secure. So in it's kind of freaky to think that someone could, if they hacked into that information, that's a lot of information that uh, a a burglar would want to know,
1: right? Because it just makes everything like just that much easier to track down, because um, everything's a little like interconnected with each other. So, uh, you hack into one thing, you can hack into it all.
0: I mean, there's been a lot of history with even just radio RFID key fobs, wi- ri- wireless key and engine starters being replicated by RFID uh, repeaters and emitters by hackers being able to use Arduinos. And such, in order to copy the RFID signal and unlock a car just by waving it over the handle, so automotive manufacturers have to take into account the like security and of their electronics and their consumers as well.
2: Right, and we're we're getting into all these push start cars and things like that, um, where we have these keys that you know connect to the car, and so, um, but they don't actually go into the car, and there's you know stuff like that that's happening, and that's another. Uh, different world so if i imagine if your car was actually that you could unlock your car via the internet instead of this rfid um signal and imagine if if someone hacked into your internet or whatever kind of thing you're doing with that then they could get into your car they could get into you know so there's a lot more um danger with that kind of stuff
0: i mean if you don't know right now tesla already uses the internet like with a phone app that basically controls most of the stuff in your car. You can autom- you can heat it up beforehand. You can unlock it. You can make it actually pull out of your garage for you. You can have it drive up to you. And essentially, there's not even a key in the Model 3. There's just a card that has an RFID chip and the app on your phone. And the RFID chip card is meant to be a backup. You're supposed to use your phone, and the Internet connectivity is the primary unlocker. So Tesla has been issuing security updates frequently because of reports and concerns by consumers so yeah it's going to be a constant battle in the future for regulation and integration of these ideas
1: and the internet of things isn't all bad of course there's a lot of upsides to all these devices so is there any input you guys can add on to that
2: well imagine like the internet of things where your entire house is connected to everything so think about like Everything you do from brushing your teeth to drinking coffee in the mornings to get, you know, everything you do. Imagine if you had a smart coat rack or something and your coat rack picked out the clothes you want to wear for the next day or your, you know, and it can connect to your schedule and know everything you do. It basically makes daily life that much easier and like it can sync to your alarm clock. And I mean, the the future of this is amazing. You could have it to where your coffee is already made when you wake up in the morning.
1: <laughs> as you were as you were saying that, it honestly sounded it sounded very futuristic, very sci fi, you know, something like I used to see in movies, I guess, as a little right, kid. Yeah. But I, it's <laughs> it's it real seem, now. It seems
2: like science fiction when you think about it, that 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 you could have something that would coordinate that way without you touching it or just by looking through your, your calendar or your you know, all that stuff, but it's not it's not fiction. It's it's becoming real. And if it's even if it's not um, re- readily available to the public, it's out there and the prices are dropping.
1: Yeah, like I can just imagine myself or like walking into the kitchen early one morning and my coffee's like already made for me. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah,
2: right, you need your coffee, Carlos.
0: <laughs> I mean, if that happened to me, i think someone else was in the house. That'd be a little weird.
1: <laughs> but but yes, I think the Internet of Things is making things a lot more efficient and a lot easier. Um, especially for those that, like, may find it, like, that, that have a difficult time performing, you know, day-to-day tasks because of, like, a, maybe, like, a disability that they have or, like, an injury. Um, I think the Internet of Things is a, is a wonderful thing in that aspect.
2: So um, I see on here there's different uh, types of components being connected to the Internet of Things. So there's examples, like, uh, there's three different types, right, three different categories. Things that collect information and then send it things that receive information and then act on it, and then things that do both. Mm -hmm. So obviously uh, there's a lot of things that do both that would collect information and send it and receive information and act on it. Um, One example of something that would receive information and act on it is um, there's lots of things like this. There's uh, smart plugs where like if you, for example, Amazon Alexa, if you have an echo and you say um, Alexa, turn on living room lamp and you have your living room lamp, plugged into this smart plug it will turn on for you and it receives this information and it acts on it so there's lots of cool stuff like that um, in these categories
0: i mean yeah i've seen commercials where it's like alexa turn on the lights and then like the blinds open there's music playing and you're getting up and like brushing your teeth like you said before so the capacity for these devices to be in almost everything from like alexa turn on the computer alexa start my car alexa make okay g- google yeah okay google make the kids dinner like <laughs> just <laughs> alexa do my laundry like
1: <laughs> it does everything for you <laughs> okay
0: google
2: do my homework <laughs> eventually human laziness will know no bound
0: yeah soon you'll be asking alexa the uh Equation for like gravitational constants and stuff.
2: Using your smart pencil, it will uh, levitate and start writing for you.
0: (laughs) Hey, the Apple Pencil in a few years—you never know, man.
2: But really, some uh, there's some really cool stuff with that. Um, I did see this really funny uh, thing with Alexa, where because you you can um, make these sets of things to happen when you say something, and someone had this like list of of actions after a certain keyword um and it was alexa security alert and then it said like turn on lamps make lamps red and then start playing imperial march from (laughs) star wars
0: (laughs) i mean yeah you can customize it to everyone so if you want to come downstairs in a darth vader costume when an intruder comes into your house with the imperial march blasting at 100 percent, you could do that i mean go right ahead I mean, I saw one of those where it was the Skyrim theme. I thought that was hilarious. But like you said, the the interconnectivity of these devices is gonna go beyond bounds. So do you think that humans will essentially become like obsolete in maniac- like maniacal jobs like like in Starbucks? Do you think there'll always be a barista, or do you think that like the Internet of Things will start to like combat that and almost replace it?
2: Well, I think it's important to have face-to-face interaction with people in a lot of those situations because, like, for example, if, if you're at McDonald's, they have all those uh, kiosks now where they have the, this big screen and you go up to an order, but if you want to make something, a specific change, or you want to ask them, uh, can you do it this way, or, or just, like, generally you want to speak instead of have to type it out on a big screen with all these categories, then it's kind of nice sometimes to have human in- interaction and... I mean, you could always have it, like,
0: 2001 A Space Eyes, like, I'm sorry, Zane, I cannot let you do that.
2: (laughs) I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I totally agree with you. I also personally think that it's very important to have um, face-to-face interaction, although, you know, some people might not always see that, and so, like... Like you said those big screen kiosks that you start seeing everywhere like at mcdonald's even in airports i know that every time i like travel you see them everywhere now um i think those will um just like grow in numbers you know
2: right and that they're finding that they can you know buy a couple thousand of those and fire you know twice as many employees and not have to pay anything in the long run and you know pay less so but it it you know, that way they're laying off employees. But um, where's the future going with that, though? What are those employees going to have that those new things create?
0: Well, in the future, we don't really know. But right now, Amazon even opened a store called Amazon Go in Seattle, which literally has no human employees.
2: Right. At all. That's kind of freaky to me.
0: I mean, it's basically an honor system. They're even if people steal from the store because they have a bunch of cameras that scan each individual item like from multiple angles in order to find the barcode and it syncs it to your Amazon account because you scan into the store with your phone or smart device with your Amazon account and then it uses the position of your phone in the store in order to essentially align you with the items that you're buying through like proximity and stuff. So, and in doing so, you're able to essentially track what you're picking up. And even if you pick it up, it buys it for you. If you place it back, it knows that you placed it back. So you're able to not only add and subtract funds from your account, you're able to essentially regulate what you buy, even if there are no employees.
2: And Amazon is kind of entrusting that it's going to be an honor system there. So that's a pretty cool concept. Um, I, I think that some things like that would be really cool. And I, um, I definitely think that um, as we're gaining these new technologies, that um, that it's not going to make make it to where nobody has any jobs anymore, because we're going to have new jobs created by these things, where people are just going to have to adapt. And I mean, because who's going to maintain the the shelves of the, the the smart shelves or whatever they are, right? With the the whole uh, Amazon store that has no no people in it. Well, sure, it doesn't have any people in it while you're in there but someone's got to go in there every once in a while and fix something or
0: I mean yeah there's obviously gonna be maintenance and restocking personnel and shipping personnel but there's no cashiers like all the checkout lines and everything where you think their human interaction would be even if you need to ask for a question where something is in the store you could search that up on your phone so It basically eliminates all human interaction. You just walk in, walk out, and you paid for something using a credit card on your Amazon account. It's all
2: connected to your Amazon account.
0: You can never leave.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to say, that does sound a little freaky to me. I don't know if it's just me, um, but I do... I do really appreciate, you know, human interaction. I don't think I'd feel very comfortable. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I was going to say,
2: like, when you, when you think about Starbucks, you know, Paola loves her coffee, when, but part of the appeal coffee. of going into the Starbucks isn't just the, you know, the coffee, it's part of the atmosphere, how right. they, they ask you your name, they write your name on the cup, they, and they, they, they mostly, spell it wrong, but it's whole, okay. They've got the whole open thing where you can see everything that's going on, they're making you drink right in front of you, and instead of just like it. Yeah, and you they know, watch so you so. intensely as you <laughs> sip into their cup, making no, no. sure that
0: they made it right.
2: <laughs> but so it's it's not just like, a you know, you press a few buttons on a screen and then you go to the other side of the place and a little cup comes out with your drink made really fast. You know, y- you kind of want the whole experience.
0: What I really want is that microwave from Spy Kids where you put like a little pill-sized <laughs> capsule and it comes out with a whole burger and fries.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. That's pretty great. I think, I think that should be our capstone project. i think that's what we should do i don't
0: think any of us have biomedical degrees anytime soon
1: it's fine (laughs) anyway but no yeah kind of going back like even as like a sales associate i understand how um, important face-to-face you know human interaction is people enjoy it and it kind of makes the whole experience better you know some people really want um, another person to listen to them to talk to and you know, have fun.
2: Yeah, and you and you think about how amazing the Internet of Things could be, and how you know it it can make a lot of things easier. But also, would we get lazy with doing a lot of that?
0: I, I mean, th- probably mm-hmm. because if you're having all these machines do things for you, the human interaction with the machines and the ability to say, "Hey, I made this coffee, cup of coffee myself," and saying, "Oh, Steve Jobs made that coffee for me," <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> or,
2: yeah, it's it's kind of weird to All this. Um, all this research is coming out with uh, information about how, how bad it is for us to be constantly looking at screens and and sitting around and not doing as much as we used to, and so, like, what implications on our health will that have in the future?
0: What do you mean? You don't want to be blind and have diabetes by the time you're 30?
2: <laughs> uh, I'd rather not, <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, also like, the, the, they've done all this research with how screens uh, affect your sleep cycle, even. There's a lot, you know, there's all these different mm-hmm. things that we we don't we take it for granted that we have these great screens and we're constantly on our phones. We're glued to our phones. It's almost an addiction, and then it's messing with our health at the same time.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's a limit to everything, and I think an overload of all these like smart devices um, can almost be like an abuse. You know, um, like imagine you can stay in your room all day if you really wanted to and if you need to turn something on or off just use your phone you know right next to you i just don't think that's healthy
0: i mean it was kind of like depicted in wally if you remember on the starship people just gliding around in chairs having all these machines do things for you and they couldn't even walk because they literally needed to do nothing
2: (laughs) right yeah you you just don't have to and then they even had in Wally a giant pool that nobody used, because nobody wants to. Because
0: they were like, "Hey, why should I try to bathe when I can get cleaned by these robots?"
2: Yeah, I'm just, you know, why would I go into the, into the giant pool and and exercise when I can just sit here and and have a VR thing make me feel like I'm swimming <laughs> when I'm just
1: feel like not I'm even fun. exercising?
2: I'm just having fun. Wow, I'm really putting up a sweat in this video game. <laughs> yeah, imagine a Alexa I mean, wipe my brow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, we're we're also seeing at colleges all these uh, you know esports teams, which are actually legitimate. But are we can, gonna consider video games sports in the future? What's what's gonna happen with that? Well, we sports. I mean, we well, have we sports. I guess we got we sports and and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, sports are changing in the future.
0: But going back to the internet things, like, do you think? like privacy will be infringed upon by the Internet of Things because I know, like, with the Amazon store, you have constant cameras watching you. I mean, you might like a 1984 scenario with Big Brother always at every corner, but I know some people might not like that.
2: Yeah, it, it is really freaky to think about that. I mean, th- there's all these different things about this this whole idea where you don't know that you have 100% control of anything anymore because you, you're, you can't make sure that the Internet isn't being hacked or someone's, like watching it behind their behind your back or you know stuff like that
1: right and if you think about it it can actually quickly turn into almost an invasion of privacy too um which is kind of scary to think about
2: right and a lot of people make the case i've heard a lot like well you know i don't have anything to hide so who cares whatever but at the same time think about how like what what if they then knew you're like your political, your political uh, viewpoints or your, uh, your job that you have and how maybe the, you know someone might want to be able to know that kind of stuff and they might not like you because of it. There's a lot of different people out there that, that might want to want to abuse that, the, whatever information they can get out of you. even if you think like, oh well, I don't have anything to hide, well maybe not until you, th- you find out that you do.
0: I mean, yeah, you never know, like who could be listening, or if they're even like recording what you say into, into Alexa or into Google Home or into right. S- or into Siri. Because I remember, like in the '70s and '80s, people were like, "Oh no, is the government wiretapping my house?" But now you're like, "Hey, wiretap!
2: What's the weather today?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, wiretap. <laughs> okay, wiretap. <laughs> there's, uh, yeah. Um, and then I mean, you you start seeing too with the privacy thing. There's all these uh different people who um are becoming popular and then the the media and the general public start surfing through their old Twitter posts from 2008 and and you know old Facebook posts and then they realize oh crap I do have something to hide I shouldn't have said that so you know they they say something that's not acceptable or anymore or stuff like that so it's
0: this is why we need to wiretap the home of politicians don't no, just <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant and Siri all listen to thousands and millions of people around the world every day talk into them. So obviously, they're trying to learn something, and there is some type of database, especially with Google, because they run on ad revenue and selling personal information from users in their right. in their user contracts. You don't have to
2: have a Google subscription to keep your Gmail. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. You it, it's just all through your like search history uh, what you say probably shows up in ads with yeah, Google think, about,
2: think about the the, um, the Amazon Alexa you do pay for that or the the Google home or whatever you know you pay for that stuff but then at the same time they're they're taking everything that you say and they're I mean they, I'm pretty sure they've even said this openly that they record your your voice and they they send it back but what they say they're gonna use it for which this is actually a good thing would be to take it as data to improve their service you know if they're trying to if you know if they have the best intentions possible they're they're taking your your voice and they're learning from it
0: I mean, have you seen, I think it was at CES last year or some type of Google uh, showcase, but they showcase Google Assistant actually making phone calls for you to restaurants to w- make reservations or order pizza. It would say like, hi, this is Google Assistant for blah, 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 blah. And I'd like to make a reservation for this. And then actually, like, as the other person's talking, it'd be, go like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh. So it actually sounded like another person on the other line, but it was completely AI.
2: That's, that's pretty funny.
0: I mean, it's kind of creepy, too. Uh, yeah,
2: that's, that's, I, it would be really weird. Imagine if you were, like, a host or a hostess at a restaurant, and you get this call, and it's like, hello, this is the uh, Google Assistant for, <laughs> that's.
1: Yeah, I mean, just uh, the lengths people will go to make something artificial sound normal or real, like, it's just kind of weird.
0: The singularity is happening, folks. It'll <laughs> happen eventually. Be prepared. We have to rise up against the machines.
1: (laughs) But there are a lot of...
0: (laughs) Come on, Alex. But there are a lot, yeah.
1: No, no, no. no. Like, there are a lot of um, devices um, within the Internet of Things that are actually really beneficial, that are, you know, doing good stuff for not only us, but for the world um, in general, for example, one that I found was actually an air pollution monitor um, and as well as a smart irrigation controller, you know, because I know uh, there's a few areas that are dealing with droughts and stuff. So they have to be very um, conscientious, very reserved with the amount of water that they, you know, use so that uh, I mean, that device kind of helps with that.
2: Right, I mean, you think about all these processes that you know we, we consider to be good, and how they could be improved by the Internet of Things to where they're they're self sufficient, like you know, water purification, pur- like uh, purifying the the air quality, um, and you know, these things that we want to we want to be done, and not just think about it like outside of your home, because it could be applied in all these different like industries. I mean, yeah, according
0: to a res- according to research done by Forrester, businesses will lead the surge of IoT adoption in 2019 with around 85% of companies implementing or planning Internet of Things development and deployments this year into their own companies. Uh, Which obviously offers a huge benefit to businesses. Uh, Some examples we have seen recently um, have included mannequins that can communicate with customer smartphones in retail environments and beaming information to products on display. So like they can walk past it, the phone picks up, oh, there's this price of this dress and it's on display on this aisle and you're able to see what dress you like in the price and see if it's right for you so it's a way for advertisement to get more into your face in my opinion
2: yeah that's yeah that's definitely a thing to be uh, concerned about is the i mean think about like when you go to youtube or any other website in general nowadays you see ads everywhere I mean, there's it's it's how the internet uh, makes a lot of the uh, the money it makes. You know, that's how that's how YouTube makes its money.
0: It's how Google makes almost all of its money is right, by advertisements. Advertisements.
2: I mean, they want to free know services. people want to know what you want to buy, and they want to try to give you what you want. I mean, their services are great. Not
0: gonna lie, like Google Docs, Google Drive have helped me a lot. But I know that all my search history, all my websites that I click on are being sent to Google's servers, servers, and essentially being sold off to advertising cosmi- companies to see what type of
2: buyer I am. Right. So they can target you specifically and give you ads that you will want to buy. And those these companies that are, you know, they value that. They want to know, how can we give our ads to the people who actually will want to, who are the most likely people to want to buy our stuff? So, I mean, beyond advertisements and CCTV
0: cameras, the internet of things does have a lot of benefits. I mean, If you've seen recent developments with Apple, their new Apple Watch Series 4 actually has an EKG sensor, so they're able to monitor the heart rate of the user and send it to doctors on the fly. So you're able to get, essentially, a heart scan with an EKG sensor and get a full EKG graph right on the spot. That's pretty
2: amazing.
1: Wait, actually?
0: Yeah, actually. I mean, the Series 3 doesn't have that capability, but... The EKG sensor in the Series 4 does work, and I've seen it in applications online and in news articles as well.
1: That is actually hilarious, because freshman year, I don't know, did you guys, or I was in Algebra 1 freshman year, and we did this, like, Shark Tank project, and we had to come up with a product, right, and sell it, and calculate rene- rene- revenue, and all this stuff, and, well, I created a product that was, like, a smartwatch that collected all this information, you know, like your heartbeat, and then you could <laughs> send it to your doctor, <laughs>
0: It's but, almost as if that was an actual need that you found a solution. Maybe Google
2: for. took your idea and sold it to Apple. <gasps>
1: <gasps> no. I'm mad now. All I no. remember
0: is that sophomore year for a project in engineering when we had to create a device, I just made a nuclear-powered watch and uh, without radiation <laughs> shielding. So, uh, yeah, Ooh. cancer on the fly there.
2: Yeah. Uh, but it is pretty cool what Apple's doing with the. I mean, think about all the like Apple watches and AirPods and everything that Apple's <laughs> creating. You essentially have a mini Internet of Things on your body, yeah. carrying it around with you.
0: I mean, wearable technology is on the Internet of Things. I remember Google Glass being right. being really tested, and then people
2: looked dumb yeah, <laughs> wearing a camera on their it, face, and people it all were always it thinking did, he was didn't recording, really catch on, and and you know now they have that. That snap Snapchat has something like yeah, that. Yeah, Snapchat lens where you're lens, able to. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, Snapchat has their own glasses. Right, so now you can capture any moment and any time you want to with Snapchat.
1: That's very interesting. <laughs> I heard me- that one.
2: social media is literally ruling
0: our lives. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's, <laughs> it's kind of concerning sometimes, but at the same time, uh, a lot of the stuff that we can do with it is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I think of the main reason. We can reason, talk to and. Yeah.
0: I think like, the main reason people didn't like Google Glass is because there was no indicator that it was recording. So you could have been recording everybody around you without them knowing, and you just like double-tap the side of your lens, and bam, uh, you have recordings of people without their consent. That was the main issue with Google Glass was the consent, and also because it didn't really look that fashionable. You looked like you had a bar of aluminum on the side of your head.
1: <laughs>
2: and it just didn't look good. Yeah, if they could make them look like real glasses, you know, you could kind, or maybe look like sunglasses, because you know that, or something of the, something like that. But
0: I mean, there are new technologies being, uh, being developed, and I know with the v- the rise in VR technology and AR technology. I mean, Microsoft has, I think, the AR device that goes onto their head, and they're able to use essentially the environment around them and like interact with these digital. Worlds with gestures on their hands just by wearing these goggles that track the user's movement. So there is a rising surge in the Internet of Things and the applications there, but I just don't know how wearable technology will factor into that as well.
2: Right. There's some really cool stuff going on with like video games and stuff with that kind of thing too. Um, And were you all were were you guys on the um, the trip to Lockheed Martin? Yes. Alex, did you come on that?
0: Yeah, and for those listening, if you didn't know, our school does some tours at local businesses, and Lockheed Martin is around two towns over, I believe, so we were able to actually get a tour of the Lockheed Martin One of their facilities, world. And they had a section where they had VR, which yeah, th- was, was really cool because they were able to build, like, planes in VR and, like, test them, throw them.
2: They like, had um, a VR set where... Uh, you put it on your head, and then you ha- wore this little suit, and you get in this machine, and you can run. And it's like these low-friction like socks, basically, that make it feel like you're running, and you're actually controlling whatever's happening. So, hey, maybe that way you can get a workout while you're playing your video games, and then you can say, Alexa, wipe my wipe brow. My brow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm perking up a sweat here. <laughs>
1: But, yeah, I think it's very cool um, how we basically have access to almost anything we want, just, like, right at our fingertips now, you know, with our phones, our laptops, anything.
0: I mean, but that comes at the discretion of personal privacy. Like, what if, like, the FBI or the NSA is able to just access your phone? I remember there was a huge Apple versus the United States case um, about, like, the FBI demanding that Apple gives out the information of the consumers and access to iPhones. And I remember Apple won the case saying that they, that the FBI did not have the right to infringe on personal property and information.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's kind of important for Apple to be able to do that, uh, to, to say no to the NSA and the CIA and all them. Um, but we still, you know, it's, it's really suspicious for these other companies like Google who are more open about the fact that they take your information, and they give it away. So, you know, you, it's hard to trust some of these big companies like that 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 openly say that they sell your information to advertisers and they you know they give your stuff away
0: yeah I remember there was a Supreme Court case uh, on June tw- like in June of 2018 where they had a five to four decision in carpenter versus the United States I believe it was called uh, holding the federal government uh, accountable and that they need a warrant to access cell phone location records so, gps locations and stuff like that that google uses to track the patterns of their customers had to be accessed by the federal government with a warrant rather than just having them have free access so the internet of things is is slowly but surely getting more secure but there still needs time for regulation it's okay um <laughs> do you guys feel uncomfortable with the idea of uh, companies tracking your data constantly like google and apple and samsung and all these other companies tracking what you click on and such
1: no <laughs> <laughs> i really don't
2: <laughs> it's kind of un- understandable to not feel that way because you're, you just enjoy what they do for you so much you know and so it's just like it's it's something that you kind of can ignore because you know that you you paid for this service or whatever. You paid for your iPhone, and it's a really great iPhone. And also, they are tracking where you're going, but it's also so you can track where you're going. And if you lose your phone, you can use Find My iPhone and you know stuff like that.
0: No, but I think what they mean by track your location is that they're able to track the start and end point of each like, GPS of Google Maps that you do. It's not okay, necessarily you where... Mean. Like your phone is at all times because I can understand, oh, I need to find my phone. Let me open up, find my iPhone or GPS tracker. But what I'm talking about is they're actually like saying, oh, he drives down this street super often.
2: Oh, he goes oh, to this yeah, location that, really that often. That is creepy. It's really weird. When you open up Google Maps, especially recently, I've noticed it'll be like I, I type in a location. And it'll say, would you like to take the same route you take normally? And I'm like, well, how did you know I go that way?
1: I know. I was just about <laughs> okay. to say that too. I and it it,
2: map it to the school, and maybe my route isn't technically the fastest, but it's like recommended route for you because you take this way every day. And
1: I'm mm-hmm. like, what?
0: And sometimes, like, in the mornings they'll say, closest drive to work. I'm like, I'm at school. I cannot go to work. Do you think the school is my job? I mean, kind of, but eh. it's it's just really complicated matter about how – companies control that data and use that data in their applications or not in their applications and behind the scenes work. So we kind of need companies to be more open about that, in my opinion.
1: I don't know if I can't remember where I saw this. It was a video I think one of our classes um, was watching about that one company um, that actually started tracking their employees with a little chip that they actually, like, injected into their employees.
0: That yeah, sounds like a, a really
2: infringement of personal privacy. Right, and I, I've heard of that, too. Like the
1: It was a huge debate, too, and obviously, like, they were like, oh, well, we don't force it upon everybody. Um, the ones who are willing to do this are the ones who are going to stay, and if you're not willing to, then well, then, you know, right. you're not Right, they tell you, like, us. you know,
2: it's it's either you keep your job or you – Uh, or you know you or you keep your freedom
1: (laughs) yeah and all the all the employees that were um chipped I mean I don't it was just very odd to me because they they didn't seem to have a problem with it they were like oh yeah yeah it's it's right here like yeah right in here and like uh yeah, they know where I am all the time, and like blah 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 blah. But it's so cool, and it's for the better. And I'm like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just researching up right now. That company is actually called Three Squares Market. It's a technology company that provides self-service mini markets to hospitals, hotels, and break rooms. So they basically provide like refreshments at vending machines and stuff like that. So at their headquarters, like the corporate office, they have their employees chipped. Um, just so they, I mean, it's volunteer chipness. You don't have to like sound like oh, you have to be chipped or you're kicked out But it's a volunteer service so they can test it. It's interesting, but still, I think it's kind of an infringement of personal privacy. Mm-hmm. Would you guys ever want a chip in your hand? I mean, I know that there's been like, oh, in the future, we're going to have RFID chips in our hand to open up secure doors and open up your phone and know it's you on government a- exams and stuff like that.
2: Right, yeah. That, there's... Um this place called Dallas Makerspace, Makerspace around here. Makerspace. Yeah, the <laughs> Dallas Makerspace. Uh, it's actually a pretty cool place. Um, not trying to advertise for them here, but it's uh, like an open workshop that you pay a, a small membership fee and you can go there. And their doors are secured with RFID. And the lady who was giving me a tour one time said, uh, yeah, we have it available now. A few people have done it, and they they, uh, they implanted a chip in their in their wrist for the RFID. So they can get in. And she was like, but I'm not that devoted to this place. You know, because you don't want a chip in your hand yeah. for it. Yeah, what it, if the, people are like allergic to the metal? Like, <laughs> the then their just hand that. swells up to the size of a melon. <laughs> yeah, or, I mean, <laughs> it's a little bit more of just, a you know, than, than just having a card with you or, or putting even like she had a, a bracelet with the, the card attached to it. So, you know, a little mini version of it instead of having it in you. So you have the choice of taking it off if you want to, you know,
0: I mean, yeah, that type of stuff I can like I can understand. Like my mom, she has a bunch of allergies to food and stuff. So she actually has like a wristband that has a USB in it where like doctors and medical officials can plug it in and see like, oh, this is her medical report and stuff like that. So these type of devices can
2: help a lot in the future. Right. Have you have you seen those? Uh, it's really cool. Smart tattoos where for like um, there's there's actually these new smart tattoos where they have uh, sensi- ink that is sensitive to certain things in your body and they're connected to a chip. And so uh, some of them are. But most of them, I think, are just like they change colors. So there's tattoos that will um, tell you like your blood sugar level. What? Yeah, it's it's really crazy. <laughs> The, and this is
1: my first time yeah it's
2: it's this. ink that's like sensitive to certain things that hap- happen happen your body so like if you're diabetic it can tell you if your blood sugar gets low you'll you'll have like and sometimes you'll have them like you know in a little flower or something but the flower will turn like red if they need their insulin shot or something like that
1: okay now that i feel like is something i could do <laughs> Loki. like that's actually sounds really cool
2: that's in that's my some, opinion. Yeah, that's some cool
0: stuff. It's I'm not allowed to give my opinion, but no, I'm just <laughs> that does sound really cool. Um, that type of technology would actually help a lot in medical fields, especially like I know there's applications where like diabetic patients have like an insulin pump placed on the side of the body with a tube going into their pancreas, essentially, in order for them to pump insulin into their bloodstream. But right. that ability would allow them to monitor it way better because it allows it like on a second by second basis of oh is this person having good insulin levels oh is this person need more blood sugar so I can see the applications being very widespread and very effective well beyond biomedical applications which are amazing I know that there's just stuff to help you around the house like I know I've used the tile uh, key rings. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, uh, yeah. my mom doesn't have very good memory problems because she has a brain injury. So she actually uses them often when she loses her keys or she loses her phone. You're able to, like, click it and the phone starts ringing or you're able to go onto the app on your phone and actually find your keys and the actual tile starts ringing or your wallet or your purse, whichever you put it on. And it's helped a lot with her and my family in general.
2: Yeah, so that helps you find just general objects. That you can, instead of, it's like a find my iPhone for your keys or your wallet.
1: Yeah, and stuff like that I think is really cool, you know, not something to be too overly worried about, um, but just very helpful, you know, in your day-to-day life. And that's what I think the internet things is all about.
0: Yeah, I think it's all about just, like, helping you better yourself, the world around you, and essentially just get through day-to-day life with a bit of uh, pizzazz with technology. So... I think that really wraps it up today. Yeah. Uh, th- th- thank you for listening. Uh, join us next week when we talk about the future of technology and how we can change it. And this has been the Engineering Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Uh, this media is controlled by students. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily res- represent those of the Capel High School and or Capel. In- <laughs>